in a series called Philippians. <laughs> it's just a name I came up with from the letter of Paul to the church in Philippi. Okay, I, didn't, I couldn't come up with something catchy or fun or anything. It's just Philippians. And uh, we'll be in Philippians today and next week. And then we have the men's retreat, so I won't be here with some of you men. Uh, and then we kick off the 40 days of prayer. But what we've been talking about is this idea. Paul writes this letter to this church, and it's a letter of encouragement. Um, he doesn't really chastise them. And you get an, uh, a glimpse into Paul's relationship with Jesus. And what we talked about in the very first week was that Paul identifies himself as a slave to Christ. In that first week, we talked about what does it mean to be a slave? And what does it mean, your identity? And what does your life actually mean? I'm not trying to get all philosophical and you guys go home and you're like, I don't know. I don't even know why I'm here. Um, but oftentimes we get caught up in a lot of religious things. We're kind of moving along in our life and we value our lives based on certain things. So what I want to talk about this morning is the one thing, the one thing that matters in your entire life. And you might, I'm sure you're going through stuff that's super, super important. You're thinking about your career. Maybe there's an upcoming promotion and you may or may not get, get it. You know what? It doesn't matter. Or maybe your kid is in college. Maybe he's at Grand Canyon University in his second year. <laughs> and he's starting, uh, uh, you know, to you know, take his classes. And what, 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 if he, what if he flunks out of college? It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, what if he gets through college and he gets a, he's got to get a job and he's got to get out of the house and he's got to get out of the house and, uh, and then he just needs to get out of the house and uh, needs to get a job. But what, 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 if he doesn't, what if he doesn't leave like right away? What, what, what if he stays in the house? Like, it doesn't matter. What if he doesn't get a job? doesn't matter. Something good might be happening in your life. Maybe your kid doesn't go to Grand Canyon University. Maybe your daughter goes to Yale, okay? Doesn't matter. Right. What if, you, what, 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 what if you, uh, you get this great inheritance, right? Like you know it's coming. Your parents are elderly and they've saved up all their money and you're just, you got your eye on that hot diggity. It's only going to be a couple more years and I can get my grubby little hands on that in insurance and then we'll have all that money. And if we have all that money, it doesn't matter. Well, what if you don't have any money? What if you're like, Barely making it and you're in an apartment and you, you thought your life was going to be so much more and now you're in this apartment and your brother-in-law's a lawyer and he drives a Ferrari and you ride your bike and it, it doesn't matter. What you do, who you're married to, who your kids are, how much money you make, where you live, does not matter in the long run, there is one thing that matters. It's not your education. It is not your career. It's not your health. You might go to the gym and you are just shredded, right? I mean, you look fantastic. You look better than every other person your age. It doesn't matter. You say, well, actually, I do have like 75. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. None of it matters. 
This is what Paul is saying in Philippians chapter 3, if you want to follow along. Paul starts talking about what his life has amounted to. What he has spent, and, I, and you, don't even, you can't even fathom what he has spent his life working towards. He was a Pharisee. He spent his entire life working towards being accepted by God. That's what he did for a living. And so he's writing to these Philippians and he says, we just can't put this trust in the flesh. We can't put this trust in ourselves. And so in Philippians chapter 3, Verse 4, he says this, If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. (laughs) Which is a pretty arrogant statement. What he's saying is this, You think you're all that? You ain't. I am, but you're not. That's what Paul's saying, the Apostle Paul, right? Supposed to be a Christian, bragging about all this kind of stuff. I have more, and here's what he says. Circumcise the eighth day. That is when every Jewish boy is supposed to be circumcised. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, it's a small tribe, but they're super duper important. We'll be talking about that tribe at the men's retreat in a couple weeks. A Hebrew of Hebrews. Paul is saying, even the stuff I couldn't control, he wasn't like, you can't control what day your circumcision is on, right? You're not like, hey, you know, woo-hoo, you know, it's eighth day, time to go, right? That's all been taken care of you. You can't decide what family you're in. And yet some of us gain all this stuff from our family, this importance, or maybe non-importance. He says, I've been a Hebrew of Hebrews. I'm from the people of Israel. Like, like I was born into this. I was born into the family of God. His whole concept was that he made it just from his birth because he was with the nation of Israel and those are God's people. These are the things he can't control. Then he goes into his list of the things he can control or thought he could control. In regard to the law, a Pharisee. A Pharisee worked very, 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 very hard all day long and taught other people on how to be holy, how to follow the law. As a matter of fact, the Pharisees, even the law, the Old Testament, wasn't enough for them. They had their own laws. They had their own things. And they would wear these robes and different tassels for different things. And they would put this box on their head called a phylactery, which is basically a fanny pack for your head. And, and they'd shove verses in there. Right? And, that, and so the, the verses that they memorize, and so the, the, the bigger the phylactery, the more prominent you are. I would have put like a little Perel dispenser in there, and I would have been like, cheat, cheat, cheat. Okay, that's good. Yeah. So I don't know. I'm thinking about bringing them back. Little Living Spring logo on there. I'm like, oh, do you need change? Here you go. There, you know, whatever. And so they, they'd have these, and it was this big deal. He worked all his life to gain the status of Pharisee. He says, for zeal and persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He was like the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and says, what, 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 what do I need to do to in, uh, uh, enter the kingdom of heaven, to get eternal life? And Jesus says, well, 
you know, follow the commandments. He's like, I've done all this, but I'm still missing something. But Paul had done all that. Paul had instructed others in the same way. He had memorized a lot of the Bible. And he was really, really good at judging people. This is what his whole life was. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He didn't make any mistakes. And then all of a sudden, in verse 7, everything switches. All the things Paul had been working towards, all the things that were valuable to him, all the things, I mean, I don't know how old Paul was when he wrote this, but, you know, he probably had milestones that he had made in his, you know, when he went under, he was under one of the most famous Pharisees uh, in, the, in the New Testament. And maybe when, maybe when he graduated from Pharisee school, that was a big deal and he put up on his wall, Pharisee, or whatever you put when you graduate from Pharisee school. And he had that milestone, and then, and then he started to get his own following, and there was that milestone. All these things he'd worked for, all these things. Maybe it's for you, it's your career. Maybe it's a family. You're like raising a family, and once we can get all the kids out of the house, we will have finally made it. Or maybe it's retirement, and you're going, 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 and finally you can have retirement. And this is what Paul says at the end of it, all of this. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss. The things that were so valuable to me now don't mean anything. Why? Because one day on the road to Damascus, Paul met Jesus and it changed everything. Paul's using accounting terms here. If you're an accountant, God bless you. <laughs> I don't, honestly, I, I, I have a business degree and, and I was in accounting and I still don't know what was happening in that class. Uh, I think I got a C in it. It was like one of the worst classes I, I could take. I, I don't know how you guys do that. It's like magic to me. So God bless you if you're an accountant. Uh, but he st Paul, Paul switches to these accounting terms. What was once in the credit column is now in the debit column. For any of you who've bought a new car, okay, and you're making payments on it, you, you look at that car as an asset, right? It's in your garage. It has dual climate control, backup camera, Wi-Fi. It's got like mechanical everything. Like everything's automatic. It, op it starts when you get close to it, and it tells you it loves you, and it's just this wonderful car and you're like yeah this is just a great asset actually it is not an asset it is a liability it is not yours it is the bank's right well those things that were gained to you and if you started making payments and then started regretting those payments you know what it feels like that the thing that was gained to you is now lost and if you have a new car and you're regretting that i'm sorry i know that hurts i'm sorry okay but the minute you drove it off the lot what was gained to you became a loss. This is what Paul says about his entire life. He says, the things that I just cherished, the celebrations I'd have, the things that I worked towards, what was once in the credit column is now in the debit column for the sake of Christ. He goes on. What is more, <laughs> hit it. I've been thinking about this all week long. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. 
New American Standard says, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. It says, for, for whose sake I have lost all things. Now, here's something really encouraging. Uh, Paul discovered that it was a lot of work to be a Pharisee. Isn't it? You know what I'm talking about, because I know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Isn't it a lot of work? You gotta, you gotta, okay, you gotta read the Bible and memorize a whole bunch of stuff, and you gotta get all these things, because you need to argue your case with people. That's your job as a Christian Pharisee. You read the Bible so you can learn things, so you can argue things. And then it's exhausting to look at everyone else's life and put a value on their spiritual life and determine whether or not they're doing it the right way or not. That is exhausting. Trust me, I still do it. <laughs> I still find myself going, oh, I don't know about that. That's not good. And Jesus is going, oh, that's a loss. You're losing right now. That's not me. You want to talk about, like, love the sinner and hate the sin? Jesus, I heard this one guy just a few weeks ago, and he was awesome. He said, why don't you love the sinner and hate your sin? <laughs> Ooh, that hurt. Spanking right there. <laughs> Ouch. What is more, I consider every thing lost because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus. Paul is at this place in his life and he's calling out to you and I to encourage us because this is an encouraging letter that it can be the same thing. That thing that is just tearing you down that you're worried about that you're it's a loss. It's in the loss column. Except if you can turn it around and use it to get to know Jesus better. So, all those things I mentioned, your education, I said, ah, it doesn't matter. Ooh, it could. If you use your education, if you can turn that around to figure out a way, how do I use my education to get to know Jesus better? Maybe you did get the inheritance and you got all that money and after you've tithed, you're trying to figure out what, uh, <laughs> this is a joke, come on, uh, what to do with it. Oh, well, that money actually can matter if it helps you get to know Jesus better. Other than that, it's all a loss. Anything that gets in the way of you and Jesus is a loss. It can be a career. It can be a relationship. It could be something that's going on internally, anxiety, which we'll talk about next week. By the way, if you know anyone who struggles with anxiety, please invite them to church next week. We're going to be talking about that. What is more, I consider everything lost. So what happened to Paul is he goes, I, I'm a Pharisee. I worked hard enough for God's love. And Jesus says, that gets in the way, that Pharisee thing. That's not going to work. I, I, I did all the right things. I, I made all the right decisions. And Jesus says, that's getting in the way of our relationship. It is by grace you are saved through faith, not works, that no one, not even Paul, should boast. Here's my question. Do you have anything in your life that's getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus? Because Paul goes on. As though profit and loss wasn't enough to make his point, 
right? I went from the credit column to the debit column. I went from an asset to a liability. I, I, I went from, you know, I, I won the lottery to now, oh, shoot, I actually owe the lottery, <laughs> whatever it, it is. This, where he goes, he goes on. I consider them garbage. So now it's not just profit and loss. Now it's like I got to get away from anything that's going to keep me from my relationship with Jesus. Whatever it is, it's, it's rubbish. It's, 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 it's a stench. It's a, it's, well, it was a, it's dumb, essentially, is what uh, one of the theologians calls it or whatever word you want to use it's garbage why that i may gain christ because if you have christ here that you can gain why would you spend any time on anything else that doesn't help you gain christ and he goes on and may be found in him so there's this sense that what paul's saying is there's this relationship i can have with jesus that transcends everything. My career, my relationships, my status in life. That you could literally be poor, destitute, a failure, and yet found in Christ. and Living a life that is completely full. Now, you know how freeing that is? Imagine if your value wasn't based on how much money you made or what you looked like, or the color of your skin, or what family you were born into or not born into. I have a brother, I mentioned him before, he's a senior vice president at Cisco Systems. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, he makes like 25 grand or something like that a year. Um, <laughs> I don't know, right? But it's funny, what I'll do, um, like if I'm around somebody important, I'll try to figure out a way to get that into the conversation because I just think it's cool. I'm, I'm really proud of my brother. I, he worked very hard for what, what, what he has. And so I'll, I'll, I'll like try to like, I don't know, just because just I, I lead with I'm a pastor. What does that get you? That gets you nothing. People usually run or they tell you they're sorry. They're going to have to get back to church or, I, you know, forgive me. Or they start confessing like stuff they did when they were 12. I'm like, hey, I'm on vacation right now, okay? Uh, and so, uh, so I, try, I, try, I try to work that in, and he, on Facebook, he was doing this presentation to like 20,000 people and all this kind of stuff. You know what's fascinating to me about my brother? That's not his value. It's not his value. His, his value's found in Jesus, and he'll tell you that. His value's found in his relationship with his heavenly father. Whether he has that job or doesn't have that job, it's us that value those things. Now imagine if you could reevaluate your life to where the only measure you used was how much you had gained Christ that day. Yes, you go to work, you go to school, you do your job, you love your wife, your spouse, your girlfriend, boyfriend, whatever it is, you, you do all that. But imagine if at the end of your day, the measure of your day, the measure of the success of your day was, am I closer to Christ today than I was yesterday? That is the only measure Paul teaches us to use. 
He says that I may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. Okay, so again, it's not some external standard that my righteousness is based on because then we get into if all I need to do is just be more spiritual than you, than the person behind me. That's just how Paul says it this way. When we examine ourselves by, our, we, uh, by ourselves, we become deceived. Like, am I just better than that, that person next to me? He says, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. And then he says five words, five words. I'm gonna have you memorize these five words. <laughs> because if you can get these into you, it changes the way you look at all your circumstances. It changes the way you look at all of your relationships. It changes the way that you look at your day. It changes the way you look at failure. It changes the way you look at success. It changes the way you value people. It's just five words. But this is Paul, the Apostle Paul's heart cry. And it's my heart cry for you and for me. It's just five words. You want to know what they are? No, I'm just kidding. Okay, just, I'm just playing. I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. Do you want to sum up everything I've ever learned in church? I've been a Christian for a long, long time. Every sermon I've ever heard, every Bible verse I've ever memorized, every, every, anything I've ever done. You, you want to sum it up? I want to know Christ. I want to know him. I want to know him personally. This is a very intimate term, this word know. Okay? I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable, but it's an extremely intimate word. It's not, I want to know about Jesus. I could tell you all about Jesus. He's a carpenter. Uh, he had a famous mom. Uh, he, uh, you know, he had the 12 apostles and the, the you know, disciples, and he jammed around, he healed people, and he did all that. That's not going to help me through my day tomorrow knowing that Jesus had 12 disciples. Good for me. Now, I, now, I want to know him to where when I'm, I get the news, whatever that news is, I take that news and I turn around and go, Jesus, show me, teach me. What do I do? What do I don't do? What do I say? What do, more importantly, I not say? <laughs> How do I get through my day? How do I get through this? How do I get through this disappointment? How do I get through this success? I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. That could be your whole day tomorrow. You wake up in the morning. I want to know Christ. Jesus, what do I do? Guide me, show me, direct me. He will. And this is where Paul gets to. I just, I just, I, and, and earlier in this book, Paul had talked about, man, I don't know when I'm going to die. <laughs> and he's like, he's like getting all philosophical on the poor Philippians. They're just like reading this thing. Like, man, Paul's like, I, somebody needs to go visit this dude. I don't know what's going on. But he, 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 he says, you know, on, on the one hand, I, 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 I kind of want to die because then I could be with Jesus and that's, that's cool. I want to be with him. But then on the other hand, I, I got a lot of work to do down here for the kingdom of God, and that's probably better, so I should probably not die. <laughs> that's what he says. All of this, the sum of all this, I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. What is getting in the way of you knowing Christ? What's getting in the way of you spending your day 
thinking about that instead of how you were wronged or offended. Did you know offense can get in the way of you getting to know Jesus because you were wronged and you're offended and you're just carrying that around? And Jesus is like, I, until you drop that thing, I'm not, I, I, we got, we, I can't talk to you when you're holding that offense. I can't, I mean... I love you and everything, but you're going to have to get rid of it. Paul says that's, it's garbage. That stuff is garbage. Anything getting in the way, it's dung. It's like, why would you carry dung around, <laughs> right? Unless you're walking your dog, and then you have to wait until you get home. But <laughs> I just, that just came to me just now. Wow. There actually is a reason why you would. Oh, okay, okay. Bad, bad example. I want to know Christ. Now watch what he does, because... You know, this sounds all flowery and great and, and like, oh, yeah, I want to know Jesus. Jesus I'm going to hug Jesus in the morning. I'm going to put my arm around him and, and all, all this kind of stuff. But he, Paul, Paul makes this really clear. There's, there are these two tensions in knowing Jesus. Like, there, there are the, these two tensions that you have when you know Christ. So while we were singing this morning, there was the one tension, the power. He's risen from the dead. The power of his resurrection. We sang three songs that referenced the power of the resurrection. Death could not hold him. It's the power of his resurrection. I, I want that resurrection power of my life. I could handle anything. You, know, you give me some disappointing news, I'm like, ah, Jesus got that all figured out. Me and Jesus, we're going to be good. The power of his resurrection and participation in his suffering. Unfortunately, that's what it's like to know Jesus. The power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. For some reason, and I do not know why, and God's ways are higher than mine, and his thoughts are higher than mine, he allows pain. Did you know sometimes your pain can get in the way of you knowing Christ? You can start to blame him. I've been there. You can start to question him. You can even question his existence if you have enough pain. But there's something about knowing Jesus that we have the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings and we get those confused that one is what you're supposed to aim for and the other one you're supposed to avoid at all costs. Did you know that your goal to avoid pain can be something that gets in the way of you getting to know Jesus? Your avoidance of pain. Feel like I'm not going to think about that. I'm not going to. That's. I just. I can't even know about that. I want comfort. Comfort can get in the way of you getting to know Jesus. I want to know Him. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of His resurrection and participation in His sufferings. This Greek uh, conglomeration here. That's not one or the other. These two are together. That's what it's like to know Christ, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. To mourn with those who mourn, to deeply have compassion. Many times in the, in the Gospels it'll say Jesus looked on the crowds and he had compassion for them for they were like sheep without a shepherd. And that word compassion, that Greek word is like a guttural, it's like a gut punch. And Jesus could have just said, la, 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 I'm going to go sit on a holy mountain and I'll come down every now and then with some teachings, but then I, would, I just don't want to mess with this. And Jesus just would have this, ah, oh, 
this guttural fellowship of his sufferings, being, becoming like him in his death. He goes on, and so, somehow, attaining the resurrection of the dead. And then he, he, he goes on because he, and I'm glad he does because he gives us some hope that we can get there. He gives us some hope that it's not just, if, if you're not there right now, like maybe you've just started on your journey with Jesus. You're like, but I don't even understand half of this stuff. I don't know how, how, how it goes. It's okay. It, it doesn't, he doesn't have this measuring stick. Maybe you come to church and you say, everybody's smiling and they all have their lives together and my life is a wreck. I promise you, promise, not everybody in this room has their life together, okay? Yeah, and everybody laughs nervously. This is what he says. Not that I have already obtained all this. I'm not there yet, Paul says. He says, I, I haven't quite got to the place I can. Now, now, you can look at this a bunch of different ways. One can be um, not encouraging, like, man, if Paul, okay, Paul didn't get there, and like, now I'm supposed to? You can look at it that way. Or you can look at it this way. There's always more. There's always more. You'll never get to a relationship with Jesus until eternity where you go, I've experienced everything. He's always going to chip away. He's always going to shape you. He's always going to mold you. You'll get done with one thing in your life that you thought you'd never get over, and you get over it, and he's like, sweet, next. And then he starts going after that. And then he starts going after that. And all of that is not to make you some type of super Christian. This is the process of relationship with Jesus. Chipping away. Not that I've already obtained all this or I've already arrived at my goal, but I press on and take hold of that, listen, for which Jesus or Christ Jesus took hold of me. This means that Christ got you for a reason. To make you the best you, Jesus, you can be. So that when we spend eternity with him, it's just like it was here on earth. A kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. He says, brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining towards what is ahead. He now goes from business to track. This is a track term. And it's that idea at the very end of the finish line. I want to finish in first place. And so you stretch. You see those guys, they stretch out to try to get over that line as quickly as they possibly can. He says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. <laughs>